G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name's Jacko and today we are reviewing the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Tonight I'm joined by my resident nerd slash bogan Andy. G'day mate, how are you? Yeah, not bad mate. Excellent. And also by the tinfoil prophet himself, Riso. How are you mate? I'm great, thanks. And on time this week? I'm on time. It's lovely to see. Look, the race was fine. I think it's just one of them races. So let's talk about a few things that happened before the Grand Prix that are very, very important for the season as a whole. So, Andy, why don't you start us off? During FP1, Max Verstappen was reporting a smell of smoke. Now, his car wasn't smoking. It was fine. It was probably one of the Alpines. Well, you'd think so, but (laughs) actually a Yemen rebel group launched an attack on Saudi Arabia and hit an Armaco oil refinery 12Ks from the track. Because they're... Aramco is essentially the championship sponsor for their oil and whatnot, isn't it? Pretty much. You see it at every track. They're all over everything. I think they're... Because they don't sponsor a team that necessarily... Yeah, they do. They've got... They're on the Aston as well. Oh, they're on the Aston. Because I know they definitely sponsor the championship as a whole. Yes. But the Aston has it on their back wing as well. So, Rebel Group essentially fired a few shots. Fired one missile and it hit the oil refinery, which was 12Ks from the track, which led to the end of Friday... The drivers all had a massive meeting. It went till about 3.30 in the morning Saudi Arabian time where they essentially agreed to race under protest, it seemed, though. It was pretty evident that a lot of the drivers, especially some of the more seasoned warriors of the grid who aren't afraid to speak their mind, weren't very happy about the prospect of racing in Saudi Arabia normally, let alone with their physical safety at risk. Yeah, well, from photos at the... Like of the team meeting or the drivers meeting, uh, Lewis, Alonso, and Verstappen were all sort of at the front leading the group. There was a couple others that had very severe doubts about racing, and from what we understand, team principals were coming in and out of the meeting. They were going to race control, and essentially, what happened is F1 just said, "Let's just get through it." Like we're already here now. Well, let's it's just too get late it. to organize well, anything. Saudi Arabian governments like notorious for stopping planes leaving the country if they don't want them to. Like, I know this is off topic, but the World Wrestling Entertainment, they did a big pay-per-view over there a few years ago after the Saudi journalist was killed. And they held them on the tarmac for 18 hours and caused them to miss a show in the United States because most of the wrestlers didn't want to be there. Yeah, so the the government is known for... Doing dodgy shit. Doing dodgy shit when it comes to their entertainment stuff. And really, at that point, and I don't, I don't want to downplay the situation at all, but the target clearly was not F one related whatsoever. It was the oil refinery. It was an and oil it was Saudi. Yeah, but it does bring up that interesting point where Formula One does have the We Racers One banner, and they are trying to become a platform that speaks or only sort of promotes positive messages. And this is clearly not in line with a portion of their values. No, not at all. And, I mean, if we're going to talk about dropping races, I think Saudi needs to be at the top of the chopping block. Especially after this. Especially after this, because, like, they're in, they're clearly in open conflict with Yemen. And, unfortunately, Jack, I know we, we spoke really highly about this last week, but that does mean we have to lose Baku as well. Yeah, look, because I know that the Azerbaijanis are in conflict with Armenia at the moment, too. Yes. And we, I, not trying to get too much into the political side of things but we do need to be aware that this is a global sport and where these people go it does send a message and i think we can at this point 
look at Formula One and almost request as a fan base that maybe we do start to make some ethical decisions around tracks. I mean, if we're cutting out Russia for their military actions that they're doing at the moment, then I think it's only right that we take a, a look at some of the other tracks and maybe say to these countries and governments involved that if you really want to keep us, not saying that F1 could ever bring about peace, but using that as part of this bargaining chip by being like, we will remove. I was going to say, um, you're saying bring about peace. Well, after the attack... Another piece of news that released was um, Saudi Arabia and Yemen agreed on a three-day ceasefire so the race could take place. So you're saying there's a chance? I'm saying F1 could potentially bring peace. Lewis Hamilton, greatest man alive. He <laughs> <laughs> can, can do anything. Okay, so look, uh, maybe it's maybe it's not all going to things. But yeah, I think at this point, it is worth maybe a sit-down and a bit of chat, especially if the drivers are that affected by it. And if you're, if the main attraction to the whole show, this business is, is how much we like the drivers and how much drivers can be themselves and use their position as a platform. If they're having those meetings, especially coming out of it saying, this wasn't the first one, we're having another discussion soon, which I believe there was reports of. Yeah, Max was asked the next day about it and he said, look, it's not smart to get into it right now, but I don't believe that will be the last meeting we have on this situation. Awesome. So it's nice to know that F1 is taking it seriously. Well, and it's a very serious situation. Like, imagine just... I'm going to throw a hypothetical out at you, Jack. Let's just say the race is going ahead and the ceasefire wasn't there. That's a lot of people in a very, very confined space for Yemen to aim at. That 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 could have been devastating. A hundred percent. So... It, yeah, absolutely correct. So it is nice to see that they are looking into this sort of stuff. And there was a few... I know this is not part of the race and stuff, but it is a good point. There was mechanics that didn't get a voice. It was the team principals, basically speaking, on behalf of the team. And I know for a fact one of the Haas mechanics was not comfortable being there. He was posting on Instagram all weekend. What I'd like to think about the drivers being in there for so long is that they were probably being the advocate for all the people on the team more than the team principals were. Because I guess the team principal is more the advocate for the racing team's corporation as a whole, where the driver does, and essentially by their nature and talent, does have the personality card. So I'd like to assume that the drivers were speaking on behalf of all their team because they do have such a close relationship and it does show throughout interactions through the weekend how much the drivers do care about their team. So I, I think that's the battle that was kind of taking place in there. That was the news that was coming out was the drivers were sticking up for everyone in the team, not just themselves. Yeah, fantastic. But on a lighter note, let's yeah. let's go back to some racing. Uh, Yuki Sonoda took new power parts and Fernando took a whole new engine this weekend. So Yuki took... He didn't really touch anything in the electric in the internal combustion engine. He took electronic components. I believe it was control electronics, yes. Control electronics, yeah. And Fernando took a whole complete new he engine. He just took a whole new engine, but because it was out of his pool, they, neither of them took penalties, but I think it's safe to assume later this season they'll be taking a penalty because they'll be p pulling a new engine. I mean, look, they were clearly changing those components to have a better weekend, but I, I, I don't want to reveal too much about what occurred in the race this early on, but whatever they did didn't bloody work for either <laughs> <or>. <laughs> Nah, not really. Because none of them, neither of them finished. No. no. Uh, One didn't start. I mean, Yuki didn't even... Oh, so I was wondering when he dropped out, but... Uh, he didn't even make it to the grid. He, he was on the formation lap and dropped out. There you go. Yeah, and it was a pretty sad message that came over the radio. It was like, yeah, Yuki, pull it over. And he's like, what are we doing? And they're like, hop out man you're it's it's, it's done. done and it was it, it did sound 
very disappointing because Yuki's only good in the desert as well. It's the only time he bloody races quick, and now we're done in the desert, and he hasn't even done much in it. Yeah. He's got a couple of points. Hey, he got some points. Like, yeah, but not many points. I think I got two or something. Anyway. Well, uh, he'll have a good finish for the year. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. I want to have a little talk about qualifying because something very, very interesting happening happened in this qualifying that we haven't seen before, which was Sir Lewis Hamilton going out in Q1 for the first time. What's your thoughts on it, Reese? It was crazy. Um, there was a yellow flag just beforehand, was there not? And it, it kind of... Oh, yeah, you know, there was a red flag because... Um, Latifi crashed? Yeah, Latifi crashed. Yeah, yeah, and I reckon that kind of... It, you, the temperature dropped a bit and it was hard to get back up or put a... Like, uh, well, Mercedes hadn't run yet. Let's talk about Mercedes during qualifying because during that first run, they were on the mediums doing, like, just laps around the track, just sort of trying to get their eye in. Then they did a lap on the mediums. The red flags come out. Lewis, nowhere near getting out. He was in, like, he was at race the whole time. And then goes out on softs, puts it 15th, only to be pipped right at the end. And it was Stroll that pushed him, wasn't it? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. You're correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Lewis did not. He was. It's the first time he's been knocked out since I've been watching Formula One in Q. First time since 2009 he's been knocked out on pure pace. That is the stat that was going around. It definitely speaks yeah. to the inherent weakness of the Mercedes car. However, his teammate George didn't seem to be struggling that much at all, did he? No, not at all. George was actually doing really well yeah. this weekend. Puts but it in Q3. Yeah, in in the post with George, he's he mentions the car and how little window they had. I'm not sure what that meant of like the drag, the porpoising, like the setup of everything. He called himself lucky, like it wasn't. But where Hamilton just got the unlucky one. Should Hamilton be up a bit more, or should Russell be a lot worse? I'd say that. George is out driving the car. So I'd say that in reality, Lewis is driving the car exactly where it should be. And that George, because it's his first year, he's got something to prove and he does have that definite amount of hunger is really ringing every opportunity. And that comment that he's made, it it definitely feels like his engineers managed to just tweak one or two more things that gave him that little opportunity to jump up the grid a bit. It definitely shows that Mercedes don't know what's going on. Still. They definitely have the weakest power unit on the grid. And when we get into the races, we're actually going to talk about it based off how the power units performed overall. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, George is driving the car beyond its capabilities at the moment. And I don't say I wouldn't say Lewis is underperforming, but I don't think he's really pushing that car any further than what the car's giving him. I feel like Lewis has given it everything he can because he was shocked yeah. on the radio. Oh, really? He yeah. sounded shocked when he found out he was eliminated. He he knew he was at some sort of threat, and I think that was from the the truck not being heated up. But he he was he, yeah shocked. That he, he he was his radio message was pure shock. Okay, so it's definitely this car is just a lot worse than he was expecting. I believe so. For once, Mercedes have not sandbagged us. Okay, and then <laughs> yeah, true. It is very true. Which means next year is going to be impossible to pick. Oh, up we're not going to know. We'll shit. have no idea. The other interesting thing out of qualifying, though, is Mick. Poor Mick, man. Mick he was on for a massive gl- crash. He was on for a good lap too. It seemed. I he don't was. think he likes this track very much because that's the second time he's crashed. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't think any of them really like the track. <laughs> to be honest, 
They say it's quick, but it's also one of the most dangerous tracks. Yeah. It was very shocking to see the crash because the crash, the car went completely to bits and it, it did snap in half and parts of it went out. But that's what they're designed to do now. They are designed to essentially tear away all these different components, absorb as much shock and energy from the actual survival cockpit that they're in, the little survival shell thing, and really hopefully reduce any impact forces. So it looked shocking because the whole thing came apart. It was one of the (laughs) most spectacular crashes. And it would have been really an impact for the engineers and the team director because they said as soon as he hit the wall, they lost all data and all communications to him. And to not have that would have been somewhat scary. 33 Gs he hit the wall at. That's oh. not as big as Max's from Silverstone last year, but that's it, That's, that's down by 20 Gs, essentially, which is, it's a massive crash, but it's also good to see that, okay, these cars falling apart are reducing the risk. Because he got taken for medical supervision for they a had to bit. help him out of the car. He was in a neck brace, too, when they got him yep. out of the car. Yeah, but it all turned out in the end that he was completely fine, and his body would essentially just kept him in a little bit of shock for protection, yeah. and that he was actually all good. Yeah. They didn't end up deciding to run Mick's car. They could have rebuilt it. They had they had the capabilities to get everything going. But Haas released that essentially with how bad the destruction was, they didn't want to risk any more happening to Mick or K-Mag's car this weekend because it would actually limit what they stock they were saving for Australia. And they really wanted to just go, you know what? Let's cut our losses. Mick's clearly not the best at this track and we're not going to get points from him anyway, even though he would have qualified about 14th. Yeah, well, yeah, he nearly qualified in Q2 without doing that lap. Like, he was screaming. Yeah, he, he nearly made it through to Q3 with his first lap, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, everyone pipped him, so he went down to 14th right yeah. at the end. Yeah, and anyway, so they decided not to run him, essentially to give them their all in Australia in a couple of weeks. And I think that was a fine choice. Yeah, and Mick also said that he'd much prefer to get his first Q3 appearance and first points in Australia. 100%. I mean, anyone will want to get points in this lovely country. Oh, I'm very <laughs> excited for our race. I That's think it's going to be great. Apart from that, there wasn't any... Th- I mean, Ricardo copped a penalty in yeah, qualifying. Yeah, he, he, he blocked Ocon, let's be honest. We love big dick Danny Rick, but he, he made a boo-boo. Yeah, he got in the way, and so he copped three places. Not that it was a stellar weekend for McLaren anyway, but... I mean, it's a lot better signs. than last weekend. Yeah, very promising signs. Both ten- both cars were 11th and 12th on the grid. And maybe we'll bring up Latifi crashing out in qualifying, just to build a bit of story for also the race. Netflix is going to love Latifi this <laughs> year because he's crashing everywhere and it's affecting everybody. Man, we gave him such a rap at the start of this <laughs> and he's just proven us wrong you every guys. opportunity. Yeah, no, Riso <laughs> was the only one and we thought he was insane. Yeah. We <laughs> thought he was he was on for a good year. He'd had a he had a sixth off season. Riso, nah. it was such a wild comment that it got spoken about more than once off air being like, yo, is he even watching anything? <laughs> like has he even started researching? And it turns out you were right anyway. You also hadn't watched anything no, at that point you were weird. But it turns <laughs> out you were right regardless of the yeah, fact the tin hat comes in handy sometimes. Yeah, you've nailed that prediction. I think we should run through the grid for the starting of the race. I think we should too. Pole position, Sergio Perez, which is also his first pole position and the nation of Mexico's first pole position. Congrats, Chaco. Awesome. Super happy for him. His dad would have been going berserk back home. I loved when he got out of the car and he just gave the car a little tap as well. Like, good girl, good girl. And his smile on his face was this. Gave me so much joy. It's nice to see that he's succeeding now in Red Bull. I think that's put to bed any questions on, is he only going to do one or two years and will the Red Bull saga continue? He finishes his career at Red Bull at this point. He's doing well enough to keep that safe. He's doing 
I think he's doing a little bit better than Red Bull expected, especially coming into these regulations. Whatever Red Bull have designed their car around clearly suits how he likes his car set up because he's enjoying it far more than Max. And Horner also mentioned that the car is better suited for him now and then it's less, like, not less suited to Max, but Checo will be driving it better this year, which is interesting to see. It might be, and I know that there's not a huge crossover between motorbike and car racing, but... Yeah, one has two wheels, the other has four. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> the biggest difference. However, in the MotoGP, Mark Marquez is a genetic freak. No one can beat him. The stuff he can do is incredible. But where his downfall was is that he required a car set up so difficult that bike no one else... Bike set up. Oh, yeah, bike set up. See, they are more similar. <laughs> um, a bike set up that was so hard to develop that b- his teammates would actually force him to develop it differently in order to bring about a better bike for all of them. And I think that might be Max Verstappen's downfall is that... What he likes in a car is very, very hard to drive. And in order to play this team sport, the engineering is kind of having to force someone else's perspective in just to make it workable for both people because Max clearly likes a very unique car. That's true. Leclerc qualified in second. No shock there. No shock there. Look, and that lap was... It was probably a good pole lap. Perfect pole lap. Checo just pulled something that even he was a little bit shocked with. He was like, I could do that a thousand times and not not pull it together like that. He nailed that one. Sainz in third, Verstappen fourth, Ocon fifth, Russell sixth. So he's out driving that Mercedes at the moment. Also, Ocon fifth, that Alpine's got some pace in it this year. Alonso seventh, Bottas eighth, Gasly ninth, Magnussen tenth. So another strong showing from Haas. Magnussen said he thought it could have been P5, but his neck sort of snapped in Q3, so he wasn't able to extract everything from that horse. And in reality, the amount of G-force these cars are going through, all these drivers, they, they do specific neck training just to strengthen it. He wasn't expecting to be an F1 driver ever again. He's out of practice. It's going to be really interesting to see just how good that car is when he's fully fit. The double header but it would have been really hard on his neck as well. Oh, Same as amount. Nico's neck as well. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Nico has a little bit of a benefit that he has had less time in the car, meaning he's a little bit less sore because Magnussen did all the testing too. Magnussen's barely had more than two or three days out of the car since he signed that contract. Nico at least had has had a week less of neck. That's fair. Neck injury. But yeah, if he's not extracting everything at all, this Haas is very good this year. On your Gunter. Good stuff, boys. Norris 11th and Joe 12th, with then Stroll and Ricardo in 13th and 14th. Hamilton in 15th, which is the big talking point of the grid. Albon in 16th. I tell you what, Albon would have been pretty nervous being back there with Hamilton, being like, am I going to get punted from back here as well? Uh, Hockenberg 17th with Latifi 18th. Sonoda and Schumacher didn't start or slash weren't really qualified, but I've just tagged them on the end there. Yeah, Sonoda didn't even put a time in. No. And that was the grid. So, do we want to move into our race review? I feel like we should. Definitely. So, we're going to jump into our race review, and we're doing it a little bit differently this week. We're going to break it down and talk about engine manufacturers as groups. And we're going to start with possibly the worst power unit on the grid, and that's Mercedes. And it's not like it's the worst, like it's a dog of an engine. It's just a little bit slower than the rest. It is the weakest one. So why don't we start off with Williams before I forget about them. Riso, did you have any comments on the Williams this race? They like walls. They like walls. One of them really likes walls. (laughs) It might show the imbalance in the car or more just Latifi's car of him just losing it twice in qualifying and in the race. And then with Albon, I didn't really hear much about him. 
He just incident. crashed in the stroll like an idiot. Oh, that's right. That's look, right. it was a racing incident, but... Look, it's a racing incident, but it's Stroll's fault. Yeah, Stroll could have given him room. He still would have kept the corner. He still would have kept the position. Albon did dive bomb him a little bit, though. It was it was one of those situations how neither, none of what happened was necessary by anyone involved, and it had a negative impact on both their races. I don't think it is really going to impact the season as a whole, but it was just one of those, you guys aren't rookies anymore. You shouldn't really be doing stuff like that. It sort of reminded me of two, two under-20s players getting into a fight in the footy. <laughs> When the senior squad's just sitting there, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, when the senior squad's warming up next door being yeah. like, hey, we're in the middle of something important here. Yeah, can you guys just piss off? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's really what that crash was. It's just, can you guys just go away? But yeah, really, th- not, a, not a huge amount. Because it, it did affect the end of the race, which was kind of, that's why there was a yellow flag. Yeah, look, I mean, Albon and Stroll's bump at the end caused a yellow flag that had a bit of a collision on the race but Latifi was sort of the main Williams to do anything and that caused I'd say pretty significant issues on the race when he went into the wall and brought out a safety car well it screwed up Perez's race that was possibly the most unlucky unlucky safety car rollout timing because he went in for what ties and then that lap on his out lap yep. the safety car came out so everyone got a free free yeah. pit stop, basically. It was, it was sort of shit because you hear Leclerc on the radio before it is like, yeah, box to overtake, box to overtake. Doesn't box and causes Checo to come in to cut him off. Was, was that a bluff or just a miss? Yeah, he bluffed, a, he bluffed him. <laughs> I liked it, though. Because he didn't say box. He said box to overtake, which I think was code, uh-huh. to let's bluff these boys out. If they go in, we stay out. If they stay out, I'm coming in. All right, yeah, so he was essentially saying, look, let's... Let's poke them, and if they jump, we stay where we are, and if they don't, we jump in and get yeah. some fresh size. It was a good play. Oh, look, the timing was so unlucky for that safety so car. Unlucky. But that was kind of Williams for this race, wasn't it? It yeah. really was. They really didn't do much. McLaren. Uh, they had a. This is a positive for them. I think so. I know Danny Rick didn't finish, but... Why? Oh, he's he's saying overheating. I think it was overheating. That's the only thing we got out of it, because Alonso went out overheating at the same time. We definitely saw his steering wheel light up with cool the car or yeah, something. But that we didn't see anything. When you when you watch the replay of Danny going out, there's no engine braking as he's going into the last turn. So he's really struggling to get that car around. And then as he comes out of the corner, no drive. Yeah, he just clutches it and just rolls. Yeah. To get in the pits, but didn't make it. He gets most of the way down. Yeah. Both him and Alonso, they went out at remarkably similar times. And so did Vautry. Yeah, it was enough. three of them out within a lap. Which to my and really untrained eye... Um, it is probably all coincidence, but that just makes me feel that these cars with the new aero don't cope too well in whatever temperatures they're running in currently. Because none of them blew up. They just overheated. It just looks like they all got too hot and turned off. They all overcooked it a little bit. Might be the, might be the temperature of the areas we're racing in, or it could be the fact that they're all racing a lot closer this year. The regulations have paid off. Yeah, definitely. There was a huge amount of racing. So Daniel Ricciardo retired early. Lando came... F- home with a few points but it wasn't a particularly spectacular race positive signs they're a lot quicker there, than there's they pace in that car so i think i think that if they can get their grip and aero struggles under wrap mclaren could be chasing points by monaco azerbaijan etc like from that moment on if they can that gives them a few more months to sort of like tweak their car get it to the point where they want it because it's not a question of talent whatsoever no, both drivers are very talented we both we, we all love Danny Rick. Big dick Danny Rick. Exactly. But, and obviously you have a thing against Lando, but we, but we like not, Lando. 
Yeah, Lando's all right. Yeah, he's he's all right. Like he's fine. Like he's a good. But driver. he's a very he's very talented. He's I'll very never talented. Never knock his talent. No. He's very quick. I I can see them getting points in a few weeks. It is just whatever they thought was going to bring them forward clearly didn't pay off. No, but it, with a few upgrades, they could potentially be both cars pushing for points. And their pace was a lot stronger on a quite a similar style track. So good signs from McLaren. Still disappointing results from where I think we thought they should be. However, in reality, from where they started to this week, if they keep up that trajectory... They'll be winning races. They'll, they'll be winning races, <laughs> and they can. We know they can. Aston, Riso, do you have anything to say about Aston? I'm keen for Vettel to be back, because Hulkenberg didn't see much of him, just apart from him just dropping down the orders. Yeah, but that's due to being out of practice. He hasn't raced his car yeah, since no, 2020. I'm, yeah, I'm nothing against him, but I'm just keen to see Vettel back to see what the car Can does. Can I take your tinfoil hat for a I moment? because yeah. I want the tinfoil hat first. No, no I want no. it first. Okay, you know what? While you put that on, so you, you put the hat on. All right, I'm putting that and on. And what I think is that Seb's not going to come back until the car's good. I think he's going to keep throwing <laughs> a positive test until that until that car is Q, Q3. Nah. Now, Andy, you can go. See, my, my conspiracy bullshit for Seb is he... That's not bullshit. That's fact. No. My conspiracy bullshit for Seb was he is clearly against Saudi Arabia. So he just, you know, put his old rat test in. It's like, oh, I'm still positive. <laughs> I can't race. So put mine, Nico in the mine's car. Mine's a performance statement. Yours is a political statement. Yeah, but I think Seb's more political than performance-based. So he'd be... That's why he did it. Yeah, you know what? I'm with Andy. Oh, damn it. Right. <laughs> Two to one, you lose, Jack. That means mine's the better conspiracy, though, because mine's more crazy. I'm going to... I feel not too have, bad about that. Have the hat back, Grease. <laughs> Look, that's that's Aston. The car's not good. Stroll. Stroll's going to have a blow-up again this week. Look, Daddy Stroll's not happy. I'm sure Lance Stroll's feeling pretty good for racing. Actually, Crofty made a blunder because he mentioned my crack during... um. Quali and he said my crack not Mike crack oh no <laughs> he did and I laughed so hard <laughs> oh no look they were they were nowhere the car the car is clearly slow heavy and, and no good it's it's a turd on wheels yeah it's 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 shocking and Nico's got all the heart in the world but he's he's out of practice and the car's no good Stroll again we just kind of he is just a little bit passionless so he's clearly not pushing it he's just hovering around where he is yeah seb's got the talent to bring that car up but clearly it's got significant amount of work or has a significant amount of work that needs to be done on it which leaves us with only the factory team left the mercedes themselves i think georgia outperformed the car this week and i think that's the biggest takeaway from mercedes i think that too a bit unfortunate that in that last yellow flag when alonzo and big dick danny rick blocked the pit lane that he couldn't pit for that cheat one. Anyway. Are you kidding? That was the best part of the race. <laughs> Watching <laughs> Hamilton get fucked while the commentators sucked was the best part. The commentators did essentially say it was a shame the safety car wasn't extended. I've got the quote here. So as he's pa- as Hamilton's passed the pits on um lap 40, the last lap of the VSC, Crofty says, and I quote, well, we'll hope the VSC continues for one more lap so Hamilton can get in the pits. Yeah, look, it wasn't his finest moment on air, but at least now we have solid proof on who he's going for. I was okay to see that strategy get affected like that. It's nice to see Lewis not have luck sometimes. It's a shame Dave's not here because we could be tearing shreds through him right now. My conspiracy is that Dave has to meet someone else for dinner again only because Mercedes is underperforming and he doesn't <laughs> want to sit here with us and cop it. <laughs> That's everyone. basically it. So my conspiracy is Dave will be back when Seb... He's back. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. 
I thought he'd come back when Lewis wins a race. We want him back this season. He's, he's not coming back there. <laughs> <laughs> he's not coming back. Anything else about the Mercedes powered unit cars? We can mention George, I think. I mean, I said we were, he was outperformed, but he he really outperformed that car, putting it to fifth. He did a couple of decent overtakes. He was ahead of the cars that went out behind him. Yeah, look, he's driving He's driving pretty well. It's hard to say because he just kind of... He did what Pierre normally does. He's just kind of get into a relatively decent position. And holds it. And, and, uh, and holds it relatively well. His strategy went fine. His pit stops were fine. It George was, is doing well. Yeah, it was good to see him go really good on Saturday and then continue to go good on Sunday. Yeah, not put it in a wall <laughs> like a Williams would. Uh, and you know what? It was actually a remarkably consistent performance for him the whole weekend. He's, he's thriving at Mercedes currently. And... If I'm Lewis now, looking at how well George has settled in and whatever he's doing with his car and his side of the garage, get a little bit nervous because George is really... We're missing it because the main topic for the commentators is Lewis just not fighting Max and Charles, but Russell's making a good case for favourite of the team at the moment. He's bringing home the points. Well, I feel like another conspiracy, if the Mercedes continues to be shit, let's be real, it's shit. Lewis yeah. retires. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me a huge amount. He has nothing to prove. Oh, absolutely not. It would be more of a joy thing as if he's ready to not have fun anymore. Well, he doesn't look like he's having fun. His radio message over the line sort of summed him up this weekend. What did he say over the well, line? Well, Bono comes up and he says, that's P10, mate. Sorry about that, mate. We'll try better next time. And Lewis goes, do they even give points for this position? Ooh. That's oh. very unusual from him. Thanks, team. Everyone did a top job this weekend. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he could only keep up that really hopeful facade for another. It's definitely a shock for him and something he... It's not what he was promised last year and it's certainly not what Mercedes was letting him know about it. Um, it's a wake-up call, I think. Definitely. And, and it's good for the sport to see such a mix-up with what's going on. And Lewis driving like in the midfield is good too because we're seeing Lewis do what Lewis does best, which is drive. And he's doing very well. Like he made, a f- he was definitely making up positions, and he he drove, he drove very well. Like I can't knock Lewis's driving. But no, it wasn't one of his spectacular performances this weekend. No, I tell you what, you're in a pretty good position where we can say, yeah, it wasn't your best because you weren't better than everybody else, like you always are. Our only knock is, man, you did absolutely fine. It's pretty good. It's that's pretty good still pretty mean. good. It's that's not like I mean. he binned it. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. It's like, wow, you must be that good when we're like, it wasn't spectacular. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump to well, Renault slash Alpine. Well, they've had a they had an up and down weekend, I feel. The cars... They're quick. They're quick. They race really well. That, that battle in the first nine laps between Ocon and Alonso was quite exciting. It was an exciting battle. My only takeaway from that whole scenario was... Awesome battle, but your cars are supposed to be used on them, not each other. You know what I mean? It was yeah. very racy. Fernando showed why he's one of the best drivers on the grid. Super fast, great at defending. Ocon showed that he's clearly got talent, but I'm going to say that Ocon kind of have cost his team a, a better result than what they should have. They had George in front of them sitting in no man's land that they could have chased down together and snagged fifth. Easily. And Ocon went for the pass made it, got passed back, got in the way, defended it. It's almost like Otmar needed to come on the radio. like, boys. And he didn't. 
He didn't. He let them race, but he okay. Give them give them a couple laps to sort themselves out. But by lap nine, you should have already come on the radio and say, "Boys, let's settle down. George is not that far ahead. Let's get to George." You know what I mean? Like at lap seven, I believe Bottas was starting to start to close in. He was about point eight of a second away or whatever, eight tenths. At that point, I would have been like, "All right, let's stop the shit, start driving. So let's catch George." It was interesting to see. I was uh, rather confused. It got me thinking, like, do they need data on these braking systems on this era? Because it's so such different racing compared to last year, where you can be behind cars and race them and see what the um, the heat coming off it or the aero coming off it and see it is. And why they did that, I was a bit confused when yeah, Russell was up there. And then you saw Bottas come up and then nearly take, I think it was Ocon on one time, and he was dangerously close. And then... Well, on, de- on that point, on one of his passes that he tried to make on bot on Alonso, you see Bottas go to the left. So the moment Ocon pulled out, Bottas was in trying to get that position, which caused Ocon to have to drop back and defend. Yeah. And at one point, I know that one of them had to hand a position back to the other. So it wasn't only that they were racing; they were getting to the point of causing yeah. causing inc- yeah. incidents, near yeah. incidents. Ocon went off the track twice. Yeah. And, like, thank God they extended those areas of the track because otherwise he would have taken his wing off every single time because there's concrete barriers right up to those points last year. Yeah, definitely. It was it's awesome to see. It's Clearly awesome the new cars can do all that sort of stuff. But for me, I, I just don't want to get to a position near the end of the year and go, man, we were only a couple of points behind. And, look, I know that Fernando's car didn't end up finishing because he, he overheated towards the end. Same time as Danny and, and Valtteri. Valtteri did. Yeah. So that was a big, bigger loss. Both cars would have finished comfortably in the points. Ocon came home with a couple of points. Yeah, he came home fifth, so he came home with a good, good haul of points. But yeah, it was just, it was a little bit more like, sorry, six, six. Yeah, he was six. George was fifth. My yep. bad. Um, still a good haul of points though. Decent yeah. haul of points. Just good energy, wrong direction. Yeah, that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah, good energy, wrong direction for the Alpine. Let's jump into Ferrari, and we'll start with. Alfa Romeo. Riso, what's your takeaways from Alfa Romeo this week? Bottas doing a good job up in the the middle top 10, I guess you call it. And um, Mid-pack. Yeah, He's mid-pack. in the mid-pack. Mid-pack. Mid and Joe, I think, had some starting difficulties. Yeah, he, he got off the line. Like, he had a shocker yeah. like Bottas did last but week. But I, I think that was more the car having a problem rather than him driving. It dipped into anti-stall right off the line and yeah. he had solved that. And then it didn't help that he tried to murdered Daniel Ricciardo in the first corner. But other than that and his stupid penalty that he didn't serve... Now, was that... Yeah, what was that? Uh, he was given a five-second penalty, which means you have to bring the car in and before you raise it on jacks, stay motionless for five seconds. They put the car on jacks for five seconds and then began work on it. And I believe that, that was where count. the steward yeah. said that doesn't really count. So he had to come back in and do it. He ended up finishing quite low in the order. But without that mix around with the penalty... Joe's doing absolutely fine for that team and where that car's at. Yeah, that's a good summation of it. Bottas is doing... He's outperforming that car. He's outperforming the car. And that's strictly due to the sheer power of Ferrari's engine because they've already admitted the car itself isn't as strong as they wanted it to be. I love that he's doing better than Hamilton. I really do. How (laughs) it's... It's satisfying. Yeah. It's... 
his brain must be that constant image of when they played him the the crash at Monza and he turned around and he just had that grin on his face. <laughs> it's a shame. He must be sitting there cruising in fifth and sixth position, seventh and eighth going, yeah, that's a shame. And just cruising <laughs> past. He looks happy. Mm. And that's it is good. really nice to see him there. Haas. Well, there's only one car to talk about. And Magnussen, got to give it to him. He's driving the balls out of that car. Yeah. He totally like, he's really... Like it's a good car, it's a quick car. He's he's setting qualifying. I can get more out of this. I feel like if Haas keep going on the trajectory they're going, they're going to be getting a good haul of points for this year. And it's just nice to see after Gunther having two years of just nothing but heartbreak and disappointment. And sorry, Gene. Yes, Gene. I know. I told them not to take them each other out again. Gene, we need a new door. Yes, it's happened again. Yeah, oh, he fox smashed my new, door. Yeah, and seven new front wings, please. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's got to be really demoralizing for Steiner to come from Red Bull Racing because I bet you didn't know he used to be the team principal there. No clue. Yeah, he used to be the team principal when it first started and then Christian Horner came in. Damn. Or at least he was on the team. I don't know if he's team principal. He was like, one of those high up people though. He's gone from there. He's gone back to America. He's come up with this plan to create the Haas F1 team and it's just been nothing. Had but an okay first year and ever since then it's been absolutely hopeless. Yep. And then finally he's now got a car that's quick enough to, you know, able to give Gene good news now. It's a worthwhile investment. It This year I really hope they continue with their sustained growth. They've given themselves every opportunity for them to be successful and it does seem like it is working. The Haas is super stable. It looks like a good racing platform they can build this entire generation off. Yep. Uh, Mick certainly got the talent to do well and really, really learn from K-Mag. K-Mag, again, he's only missing a month of fitness and he is on it. Yep. And very, very scary for the drivers around him because he is an aggressive driver and knows how to knows how to take places when it matters. And these cars are letting them really do that. The other thing we can say too is Mick's probably on for a good second half of this year. He always comes strong in the second half of a year. And from what we've seen, his crash was because he was on pace for a blinding lap too. Yeah, it was an aggressive take on a curb. He probably shouldn't have taken that aggressive line on. A slight mistake. But on our on our preview chat when we spoke about the nature of street circuits, it is part of the charm. You either yep. shave a couple of tents off and do a, f- a freak lap like Perez or... You cook it by just 1% and completely blow the car. And become a Latifi. Yeah. And, and, and blow Checo's race. Yeah. But that's 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 all I can really say about Haas. Well done, K-Mag. Keep going. Let's talk about the big boys. I guess we can combine Red Bull and Ferrari into, well, into one section. Do we want to just quickly mention that Gasly had a good race? Oh, true. Because we're not going to get a chance to talk about Gasly after we combine those two big boys. Very good point. So Gasly, Gasly came eighth. Gasly came eighth. AlphaTauri's looking good when it when it's running. Yeah, didn't didn't catch on fire. No, look, for them, I think it's clearly the integration of the Red Bull power unit into their chassis. The chassis is clearly fine. The engine's clearly very quick. It's just a marrying up issue at this point. But they quite don't quite have them working well together. But it's essentially the same engine as last year. It's just got a Red Bull sticker instead of a Honda sticker. True. I don't, I'm not saying the engine itself, but it's how it pairs up to the chassis. Okay. So remember when McLaren and Red Bull were each having issues with their supplier a few years ago based on how they had it housed in the chassis yeah, itself? Yeah, fair, fair. 
I think that just because the AlphaTauri does have a, have a different design philosophy, the engine is identical, parts of it aren't marrying up as well as the other car, and that's where we're seeing the slight issues. So it will only probably be an added duct here or a slight adjustment to a width or a design thing there, and it will sit perfectly where they need it. It's probably just the shape of the Coke bottle rear end of the section that is causing a little bit of temperature. That's that's a fair assumption. But I didn't think of it like that. Why was Sonoda out? That was my... I don't we don't, don't exactly know. know why. Whatever whatever issue was going on with the current car he has, they could see because on the way out, they saw it come up and his car didn't break. They told him to stop it. Yeah. If we have to guess anything, the most common the most common things that pop up in situations like that is either you have a gremlin in the electronics where braking systems aren't being activated properly or you're getting oil or pressure drops or it's electronics and as in it's sending off weird signals and it's going to cause the engine to shut off when we start to crank it up because of the fail safes. And yeah, that's fair. It was probably they noticed one of those things pop up and went, it's fine moving at this speed. We'll probably get 10, 15 laps out of it, but we don't want to risk it f- having a fail and us losing connection to the car and something blowing up worse or it's shutting off unexpectedly and putting everybody and our car and other drivers at risk. Yeah. So it's safer now just not to run just it. Just your bets. But yeah, let's talk about the big boys. Let's do it. Perez was on for a win. Perez probably should have won that race. He was so unlucky with that pit stop. And that's really the story of his race, that pit stop and safety car. But that's, and I hate to be the person who goes, but that's racing sometimes. But that is, that's how it goes. It was, <laughs> it, it was really unfortunate to see, but I hope he's of the mindset where he goes, and that's racing. Because guess what? That car is clearly, and he's clearly talented enough to know that, well, I can do that again. He will do it again. Yeah, I think we'll see him competing for wins regularly. I just wish F1 would not allow the teams to do what Ferrari did, though. If they if their team comes out in the pit lane, they got to pit the car. Yeah, because you, you're supposed to. They're, in the rules, it states that you can't do a fake. Yeah, and mm. they basically faked him out and got Perez to pit. That, yeah, that's Look, I know it can be read that way. The easy fallback on is on that speed and with how these radios can sometimes turn on off. We have seen some radios drop in and out that it might have been a missed message. It I doubt it. It's Ferrari. Yeah. Well, listen to listen to the radio message. It's box to box. Yeah, box to overtake. Like he clearly wants to box, but he's clearly faking him out. He's like, if he comes in, I'm going to stay out and get the position because track position's key. There was an issue with. Science and Checo exiting the pits. Oh, true. There. What happened there? So, after the safety car is out, uh, Science, Leclerc, and Verstappen do the smart thing and come in then because, I mean, you want a pit under a safety car. However, when Science is coming out of the pits, he clearly is like half a car in front of Checo when it comes to the safety car line. And the safety car line is just, it's a white piece of line that covers the width of the track. You won't really notice it but it is used for measuring of when and where a car can start and go from. Yes. And also the track order under a safety car. So it becomes like the finish line line. So essentially if a car comes past this track first, that's the order they stay in while under the safety car. Yeah. And essentially as science is coming out of the pits, he passes the line first, but because Checo has got the inside line on the corner, Checo comes out of the corner in front. Now, there's an argument you could make that, theoretically, because Checo's got the inside line, he would have always been ahead of science coming out of that. But Red Bull didn't want to take the risk, so race restarts. 
Perez gives the position back, and that's it for Perez for the race. It just puts him in fourth. And it puts him in fourth, and that, that he can't catch Saints at this point. Like I think he okay. gave it back at a really stupid time. Like I know there was no DRS coming into the last corner, but because the Red Bull powertrain is just that much faster in a straight line, if I was Perez, wait till you hit turn twenty-seven and just let him buy, and then just fang it down the straight. Yeah, give it back to for two seconds and go for another. Pass. Yeah, exactly, exactly what Max tried to do last year. Yeah, he did come out on fourth, and near the end in the last couple um, laps, you didn't see it because it was focused on one and two. But I'm pretty sure it, on the times it seemed like they were battling for a good while, and I wish they showed a bit of that. He was two seconds behind. I know Jensen was wasn't yeah. very impressed with the quality of the TV direction this <laughs> race. He was not. He was pretty annoyed that replays kept popping up when live action was more yeah. important. It, and I don't want to defend the production. You guys are supposed to be the best in the world. But you're not. You're not. It's also a hard year this year because last year you safely were only ever filming one bit at a time because only one thing was ever happening. Now with every car competing right down to the wire because Max and Charles didn't sort themselves out until probably, what, two or three laps right before the end. Not even that. Yeah. They were going right to the yeah, line. Right to the end. Last five laps. We yeah. saw Max get a bit more strategic by playing... Oh, I was the, so proud of Max this week. Yeah, he, he finally learned his lesson. Playing the, the DRS game by essentially sacrificing the second to last corner. No, the last corner. The, sacrificing the last corner to Charles, ensuring he went in behind. Which, interestingly enough, Charles tried to outplay him by trying to put Max across. It's, a, it's around the DRS detection zone. Yes. If you cross that line behind within one second of the car in front, you get DRS. That DRS down the main straight guaranteed a pass of its effect this time. Yes. Charles was trying to make sure that Max was in front of him so that Charles would get the DRS and guarantee the place. And he did that successfully on one of the laps. No. He did that the first time. On the that first successfully time. happened. The next, next time, time by, both cars locked up because Max braked early. Charles broke harder, caused Max to break harder. They both locked up, Max locking up a lot more, and you could see a visible flat spot on his tyre. Charles then pulls a bit of a gap, so Max takes two laps to get that gap back, comes up to the last corner, snaps his DRS zone, because the other thing you don't mention, coming into that last corner is a DRS zone as well. Yeah, and that's where you want... That one's not the important No. So what Max has done, which I think is so smart, is he's got DRS for the majority of that straight. But before the braking zone, he snapped his DRS shut, braked behind Charles, and he's got the slipstream with Charles and hits that DRS on the front straight, took the corner perfectly into turn one, and then Charles had no chance. I was thinking in the last lap, that wouldn't have a part to play because you don't have that big straight anymore. And if no. you take the last, if you take that and then have it to the last one, you just have to get over the line, which you see with I think Ocon and Lando. Or yes, yeah, yeah Ocon yeah. towards the end ripped a pass on Lando, and they have yeah. a little battle on the last on lap. Too. Ocon gets Lando in a similar situation, yeah. and Ocon just had to hold on for the last lap. And coming yeah. out of the last corner, Lando has DRS, but only for like ten yeah. to. 100 meters. Max played Because that checkered flag's so far up. No, it's so much closer. That's what I mean. So far up towards the start of the straight versus down the bottom. So it essentially makes that last straight a moot point. Yeah. But Max played it so well that um, Charles didn't have a chance to catch him. It also helped that Albon and Stroll had their little kerfuffle causing a yellow flag on the first corner. Yeah, definitely slowed people It was funny because there was the top four, um, the Ferraris and the Red Bull, or get an investigation for speeding under double yellow flags. 
<laughs> by the end. But it didn't affect anything. Didn't so I don't know why it. you'd be bothering with Oh, I'll give them five-second penalty. Give them all yeah, five-second yeah. penalty. Oh, but the same thing happened. It just <laughs> showed them the hunger. They all wanted it. Oh, it's one of those things how, like, all of them go, have assessed the situation, go, this is a minor thing. I don't want to be the one person who loses a place from it. Mm. It's always interesting to see him all kind of do that non-gentleman's agreement to be like, we're all still racing, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We're still racing. Max ended up taking the win. We won't know until maybe another 10 or so races how significant this race was. We were saying before we jumped on the mics that in races like this, plenty of things happened. None of it due to the nature being the second race. We know its impacts. Five or six of the things that we've spoken about here may become major events that we look back on and go, man, if this part here happened slightly differently, then X, Y, and Z would have happened. Or looking back on it in six months, we would have gone... Why don't we talk about this one thing we didn't even mention because that suddenly becomes very consequential when in reality so much of what we mentioned might not be. I think that's a good mid-season. During that mid-season break, that'd be a nice episode we could do. We could go back and have a look at these races and just compare them in hindsight. And yeah, see what actually mattered and what didn't and what our takes were on them at that point. I think we'll do that in the mid-season break. I think it's a good... And we could split it up. We could do a few races, one episode, a few races, another episode and stretch it out. That's a good way to give us more content yeah let's definitely do something like that because it would be very fun to go back and see how things changed plus we get to watch the races again <laughs> we should probably go through the official ending list because by going through manufacturers it lets us really talk about some interesting things but it doesn't leave us with any clear notion of where things are or where the championship are so the race ended as follows max Verstappen first place charles second place with the fastest lap so he gets an extra bonus Dude. point there no, nah, it was no, him. Charles pinched oh. it right near the end. Lap 48, he pimped him. Sainz, Perez, Russell, Ocon, Norris, Gasly, Magnussen, and Lewis. That's the point getters. Yep. Joe, Hulkenberg, Stroll, and Albon finished outside of the points. And that's all the finishes. Everyone else didn't make it. Can we just point out, Albon technically didn't finish. He didn't cross the line, but because he'd done like most of the race, they classified him. Oh, Similar to what happened with Max and Checo and Bahrain. They were classified finishers too. Yeah, even though they didn't fully make it. Yeah, yeah, true. Albon didn't He was finish. still classified. Yeah, but, but he classified. The people who definitely didn't finish, Valtteri, Alonso, Ricardo, Latifi, and Snowden and Schumacher did not start. The championship. I'm not going to do the constructors. I'm just going to do the drivers for now. We'll start to add the constructors when we get a few more points to talk about. Yeah. But the World Drivers' Championship sits with Charles, Sainz, Max, George, Lewis, Ocon, Perez, Magnussen, Bottas, Norris, Sonoda, Gasly, Fernando, Guan Yu Zhou. Now, those are only the people with points. There's a few people without points, but I haven't mentioned them. Maybe in a few more races, we'll start mentioning the points as well. Yeah, because there's people like... Re- uh, Ricardo, Schumacher, and a few others who we who aren't the Astons, Astons, and Seb's a non-classified. Seb, yeah, because Seb hasn't started yet, he's technically unclassified from the World Championship at this point. On your Sebby, keep up the good work, son. <laughs> Look, that list doesn't necessarily reflect all of what's going on, but that's where the drivers are currently sitting. So, are there any massive thoughts or takeaways on that? That's not shocking, to be honest. No, look, the only real noticeable differences are the Mercedes, but they're sitting comfortably. They're cons- consistently getting points. Even if it is only one. One or two. But yeah, that's how they do it. I think we should talk about our predictions. 
Me too. You wanted to bring up actually turning in this into more of a competition than we were previously running, weren't you, Andy? Yeah, so I think because we're giving points, I got you a point on the last episode, by the yes. way. Um, yeah, so if we're just giving points for picking the top five drivers and we get one point each, that's cool and all, but let's really make this a competition. So if you get the driver right and his position right, she get more points. So I'm I'm implementing this sort of structure and we'll update it on social media when this podcast comes out. Yep. So I'm thinking if you pick the winner in the right position, you get five points on top of your one point. You get second right, you get three points. You get third right, you get two points. And then if you get fourth and fifth right, you get one point each. So it's a it's a point for getting them in your top five, and then it's bonus points for yes. getting their positioning, and it's scaled based on how getting well their position is. Yes, and fourth and fifth, because they're not on the podium, they only get one point Yeah, I'm each. happy with that. I like it. That makes it a lot more interesting. Well, I have written in front of me what we all thought, not you, Reese, yeah. you but didn't most put of in. us. You didn't, put, you didn't put your predictions in for this round. No. So you get no points. Damn it. Andy had first place Max, second place Charles, then Checo, then Sainz, then Hamilton. So under your new rule system, that's a lot of points. That is a heap of points for me. <laughs> I don't think I get... I think I just get you four just get, standard. I think you do too. Because I had Charles, Max, Sainz, Perez, and Gasly. Yeah, that's just four points. Dave, however, who's on negative five points coming in, we gave him a penalty because he's a Lewis fan. Yeah, fair enough. He said Leclerc, Verstappen, Sainz, Perez, and Hamilton. So, so he, he gets a couple of points too. He gets... Four, he's five points. Yeah. Because he only got Perez in the right position. So he's on zero points. Oh, wait. All up, so I'm still... No, because he got <laughs> Saints as well. Oh, I don't know what the points are we on. I'll right figure now. it out to overnight and I'll put up a post tomorrow. I like it. All in all, a decent race. Fantastic. Hopefully we don't come back here again. That's hope so. <laughs> I think that just about brings us to the end of our show. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our review. Australia is in two weeks, so we're having a little break in between then just because there will be nothing really to talk about and you can see us for our preview episode at the normal time. If you haven't yet, you can find us on pretty much every social media. We'll be most active on Instagram and Discord. That's where we'll be updating our competition. And while it's early, I think we're going to open up maybe five or six places for you if you want to get involved. So reach out to us on social media. And while it's very, very small and we only have a few listeners, we're happy to get more people involved. But if it starts to pick up from there, we'll look at offering a different way for more people to get involved. But as I was going to have a fans account. Oh, definitely. We can do that. Just like have a fans at the bottom if anyone puts in. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let's do that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, please, if you haven't yet, come find us on social media. We really are doing this show to help build a bit of community. So the more... The more of you out there who want to reach out to us and give your opinion, the better it is, especially if you provide us with something that makes us, I don't know, a little bit annoyed or mad. We'll definitely bring it on and talk about it because we really want to have that outreach. And apart from that, the only other thing we can really ask is if you haven't, please leave us a rating, a like or a review on whatever you're listening on. It doesn't mean a huge amount in the grand scheme of things but it does help on the background algorithms on a lot of these websites and it does help get our name out to more people but apart from that thank you very much for listening guys and we'll see you in a week or two see you next week thanks guys during fp1 Verstappen was reporting that he was smelling smoke on the track somewhere now his car wasn't smoking so he was a bit concerned the reason for this is because the armenian rebel group which i'm not going to try and pronounce the name armenian Fuck!
Hey, Jack, how did it actually all end up? <laughs> we should probably go... <coughs> Fucking Laurie. Sorry, that was a commentator that used to do that all the time at work. Put that on the end. I'm definitely putting that on the end and making my mates <laughs> listen to that. <laughs>